Uh, thank you, Wilson. Uh, my name is Van. I'm the lead pastor here. And when Wilson was talking about those that got tired that first day on the trip, he was talking about me primarily. <laughs> so it was hot and a long day. But uh, as Will said, it was a fantastic uh, trip, and we'll share more about that. But uh, for right now, I want to introduce our speaker today, Robbie Dawkins. And uh, many of you have been here uh, Friday night, Saturday night to be blessed by Robbie's ministry. But uh, Robbie is a man that has had an incredible impact on us as a church body, Um, impact on my life, impact on Wilson's life. But uh, over the years, having Robbie here has always moved us ahead as a church to trust God more and to experience more of God's life. And uh, he is part of a church that was part of the core of this church forming. Um, We really had two churches that uh, impacted us at the beginning, the Tri-County Church, which uh, Tri-County Vineyard, which was our sending church. Dave Workman was my sending pastor and Steve Shogar, my coach. But Lori and I had come from the vineyard in Champaign. That's where I was on staff for five. We were on staff for five years. And so we really bring the heart and, and DNA of that church with us. And that's where Robbie is right now. So, uh, Robbie, we love you. And I uh, want to give the time to you right now. So come on up. Yeah, let's welcome him. Thank you. Uh, are very kind words. Um, I am uh, always enjoying coming here. Um, I told uh, everybody at the conference uh, this weekend that uh, coming here always feels like you're coming with family. And, uh, you know, it's just, it, it was, you know, like I went, I was at the Cochran's the other night and just went in and used Van's toothbrush and, you know, it's just... <laughs> It was just like family. I mean, you know, of course, I wouldn't tell my family that. I would just do it. And so, of course, that's what happened. But no, I'm just kidding. I'm joking. It was Lori's. Anyway, uh, <laughs> it's, a great, uh, it's a great joy to be here and a great joy to be with you guys. And man, I just, uh, just since uh, always such hunger and such passion here, and that's so, so good. Uh, before we get started this morning, we've got a few resources. We've got a resource table out here for you. Uh, we call this a power tool table because it is equipped with power tools uh, to get you going and uh, engaged in doing the stuff uh, that Jesus did. My first book, Do What Jesus Did, uh, that we have out there, the premise of the book is Jesus, Jesus didn't just come to show us what he could do as the Son of God. He came to show us what we could do. And he was inviting us into our true identity uh, by demonstrating his identity and that he was restoring us to and inviting us into. Uh, also, my second book, uh, which I'm very thankful is out finally, but is uh, Identity Thief. Uh, and it's uh, and, and a friend of mine who's just trying to get his name out there and that hardly anybody knows yet. And um, he was, you know, just pestering me, pestering me, you know, could he do the forward for it? So um, Sid Roth did the forward for it. Just, to, <laughs> just trying to give him a boost up a little bit. Now, 
No, Sid, when we were when we were we were when we were doing his show and having dinner the night before, and we, he was like, he's like, tell me about your new book. Tell me, you know, because we're we're focusing this these shows on do what Jesus did, and I started telling him about it. And uh, he was like, he goes, you know, he goes, that is my entire life. And I said, this, that's the point of the book. It's everybody's entire life. I said, it really fits with everybody's entire life. And so I, you know, because he said that, I thought, you know, Sid, you'd probably be a good person to do a forward, uh, you know, for this. And so uh, he was uh, happy to accommodate. And so anyway, this is, is explaining that obviously Satan's the identity thief and that he's convincing us. Not, o- not only does he take our power and authority and operate as if he's us. Like as if somebody takes your credit card information or your uh, social security number. But he takes it a step further and he convinces all of us we're somebody other than who we really are. And this is really unmasking Satan and, and his, uh, you know, stealing our identity. We also have uh, these jump drives back there. Uh, the silver ones are all the video teachings that I have, uh, that I've done, uh, all the trainings and conferences that we have back there on video, which is a lot. Uh, and, and then we also have all on one drive. If you get this, it's, it's about uh, less than 40% than if you bought all the individual sets. And these, these last longer. And then also we have... Have them, the audio ones too. They're the black drives. This is the silver drives, and that has all the MP3s of that. Again, a fraction of the cost. And then uh, Holy Ghost Reborn. How many of you have uh, seen Holy Ghost Reborn? How many of you have seen this one? More in this service than the last service. This is just a really powerful movie. Of course, it's in line with Darren Wilson's movies, uh, which we have all of them back there, uh, other than Finger of God, the first one. But uh, th- these are just powerful movies. Of, of you, you see this and see how to do the stuff. I've had so many people who, uh, and I've been, I've been, you know, a more consistent figure in any of the movies than anybody. And I've had to, for email after email over years and years, people write me and say, "Man, after watching." this movie, I knew then what to do, and I felt like I could go out and do it, even without getting any training on it, just watching it. And so they're really powerful, and they give you a sense of permission. But we're going to show the trailer for Holy Ghost Reborn. This is a really special one to me, because I'm coaching somebody in this, and you see this powerful encounter where not only they get healed, but you even see a little bit of it in here where they begin to experience God's manifest presence and give their life to Christ as a result. But here's a quick little minute and a half trailer from... Holy Ghost Reborn. How do you film an invisible God? How do you account for the wide variety of journeys each person is on? How do you prove that God is real? So, everybody that night sleeps around the cover. So I slept there. And then, in the night, I had this dream. And in the dream, Jesus came. First, he touched my forehead with his hand, and he said, You have been saved. You have been saved. Then he opened his hand and placed it on my chest, and he said, You belong to me. Finish now. 
In Jesus' name. Lord, they have her tested to try it again. Give me a number. <laughs> What are you expecting God to do to, for you, the next day or two? Right now I just try to keep my heart open and keep my judgments of what's going on out of it and uh, just let him work inside of me. beginning of that video is uh, the gentleman that's talking in there. He, he was at Mecca, and uh, he was at a, a very high Muslim festival at Mecca uh, in Saudi Arabia when Jesus appeared to him, and they were all sleeping, you know, there, and appears to him and gives him this message right in the middle, you know, of this most holy mosque in Mecca. <laughs> it's just like glorious, you know, just a glorious scene. <clears throat> Man. That's, that's so powerful. But anyway, I could say a lot about that. Turn with me, if you would, to First uh, uh, Kings uh, 17, if you would. And if, you're, if you, you could turn there or you could just listen to me uh, read the passage. Um, and how many, of you, uh, how many of you grew up in church? Majority of you, I'd say. Uh, you know, here's the thing. So many of us have heard these stories over and over, you know, growing up in Sunday school. I know I have. Uh, growing up uh, listening to, um, you, know, you know, Bible story versions being told, different things like that. You, you guys sitting at the back there go, you can come sit up here if you want. My spit range is over here, not over there. So feel free if you want to come. I just feel like, I don't know if you can see. Come on up if you want to. It's fine, fine with me. Um, so here's the thing is that so much of, of, uh, so much of what we sort of have gotten and taken is that we sort of think about you know, things from the perspective of, of how that, uh, you know, we've heard these things. We've heard the, the, the various versions of this stuff. How many of you remember flannel graph? 
You remember the blue boards or green boards or black boards or brown boards of flannel graph? It was this big sheet of flannel that was stretched across the board and they would put up these Bible characters and tell the Bible stories. Well, you know, I grew up, of course, with that, but our church was like sort of in the hood and so we couldn't afford new flannel graphs. So ours was hand-me-down flannel graphs. So we got our flannel graph from Second Baptist Church of Chattahoochee that that had donated it to us in Atlanta, uh, Georgia. And so ours was a little tattered and a little torn and so I grew up thinking Peter was an amputee you know (laughs) somebody had ripped off Peter's leg and you know I just assumed you know Peter's and I never got I was like wait a minute Jesus can multiply bread and fish why can't he you know give Peter a new leg or at least heal our flannel graph I mean I didn't understand that but anyway so we you know what the new flannel graph is veggie tails veggie tails has replaced flannel graph right and they don't have legs, so there's no tearing off to do there. Anyway, uh, so we, we've sort of grown up with these versions uh, of this, and so we sort of anticipate what's going to happen next. We sort of know what's going to happen next. But I love to read scripture from the perspective of not knowing anything about what's going to happen next and just sort of living it in the moment, just sort of you know, exegeting the text from the perspective of what if nothing, what if we don't know what's going on and sort of living it in the moment. So I want you to give me a little grace to, to do that today as we go through this passage. Now, we got, let me set the stage. Elijah is on the run for his life. You know, uh, Queen Jezebel hates him. She wants to kill him. She wants to eliminate him. Uh, He's running for his life. She has convinced Ahab that they should be worshiping this other god called Baal. Uh, and, and the prophets of Baal, and you know, they're, they're outnumbering the prophets of God. And, and so, you know, she's kind of totally hijacked the country in their, in, their tr- in their true faith and all this stuff. And she's coming with this different system. And so they've gravitated to that. And so here, the, the, you know, uh, it finally comes to this point where that, you know, she's like, you know, the best thing to do is just eliminate all the prophets of God. So let's just kill them all. And the chief one she wants to kill is Elijah. So he's running for his life. He's exhausted. He's tired. You know, there's all of this opposition against him. It, it doesn't feel good. You know, there's this uh, pushback. He's, 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 you know, here he's speaking on behalf of the Lord. And, you know, the king doesn't honor him. And it's really interesting, like kingly people, kingly, you know, sort of pictures of people, regardless of what their station is, always seem to be, they always seem to see the prophets as a threat in many ways. You know, there's always this tension in there. And I think part of that is that God is always wanting us to press into him rather than the affirmation of others. And we always want to sort of, you know, see the gift of God on our lives is where we get affirmed. But let me tell you something. I can tell you as somebody who knows, that's not where, you know, the, the healthy affirmation comes from. It all comes from the relationship with the Father. You know, uh, it, it's, it's vital important that we realize that. Because, you know, the, the, the other affirmation can be fleeting. It can be there and it can be gone like that. I mean, and so it's important to realize that. So, so Elijah's tuning into God and God says to him, he goes, look, Look, you're tired, you're exhausted, you need a break, man. You know, and so he gives in this word, and this is that you know, a drought has sort of come into the land, uh, so there's not a lot of water. So it says in verse 2 of 1 Kings uh, 17, it says, Then the Lord said to Elijah, Go to the east and hide at Kareth Brook, near where it enters the Jordan River. Drink from the brook and eat whatever the ravens bring you, for I have commanded them to bring you food. 
Okay? Now I want you to think about, let's think about this passage just a second. Here, God is saying to Elijah, I want you to go back down to this brook, and I want you to drink from the brook. I chill there, relax there, soak in my presence. Just, you just need to be at peace and eat whatever the wild animals bring you to eat. Does that not sound strange to anybody? I mean, we read this. We've, see, the problem is we've read it so many times. We're like, oh, yeah, bring whatever the ravens feed you. Of course, that makes it. No, really, God's going to give you a word. I want you, think of where you live. There's a ravine nearby. I want you to go park by the ravine. I want you to drink out of the ravine. And wild animals are going to bring you food and you eat whatever they bring you. Does this not hit weird factors somewhere on your radar? You know what I mean? This is a weird word. You know what I'm saying? This is a weird word. Now, here's the thing. The majority of us were like, God, I'll do what you say. I'll do whatever you say as long as it makes sense. You just got to make sense. You know what I mean? Tell me something that makes sense. Now, if, I ha- if God has to make sense to me before I do something, who's God? Who's Lord of that situation? At that point, I'm saying, you're the servant, I'm the Lord, you need to do what I say, the way I say to do it. God doesn't owe it to us to make sense. He doesn't owe that, yet we owe him everything. We owe him everything. And so he's like, just, just go do this. It, let me stop before I get to, I, I, I've missed this part, you know, because this is so important. This church is so hospitable. I want to thank everybody here this morning who is wearing orange and blue in support of the bears. You people, when I look around and see all the orange in this room, tears, okay. And they even did the church decor with orange and blue. Thank you. You guys just go way beyond you know, I just really want to thank you for that. In all seriousness, I, I'm very hopeful that you all just eliminate the cards today. I say that with love. I love them. You know, the Bible says love your enemies. I mean, the only reason why I say there are enemies is because they humiliated us in Chicago. I took my wife. It was her birthday. And I was like, sweetheart, I got, we never been to an NFL professional football game. We went there and watched the Cardinals slaughter the Bears. It was the most humiliating thing ever. There's inner healing for that for me. Let's move on for you with what the, Okay. So God tells you, go and live. Does anybody not think this is a weird word? Hello, this is a weird word. And if you look at a lot of the words that God tells people to do, they're weird. You know? And yet these people follow. But here it says, listen very clearly. So Elijah did as the Lord told him in a camp by Kareth Brook. Why? Why? God said. God told him to. God said. Doesn't have to make sense. Now, if you hear, when you hear me say, wild animals are going to bring you food. Wild animals, they're going to bring you meat, bring you food. What comes to mind? Roadkill. Roadkill. You know, these birds are bringing, you know, 
when I was in Sunday school as a kid, my, my, our, our Sunday school teacher, her name was Sister Casey. She was a sweet little old lady. But man, she did not, like, I would raise my hand and she'd be like, not again. <laughs> and I was like, Sister Casey, I'm sorry. Uh, the, I know the picture shows like two little pieces of bread in the bird's mouth, but I'm thinking roadkill. And she looks at me and she goes, Robbie, why do you do that? It was not roadkill. Look at the flannel graph. There was no meat in their mouths. Those are two little crackers in their mouth. They brought them crackers. The flannel graph doesn't lie. Go sit in the corner and I'm in the corner going, I know it's roadkill. It's roadkill. I know it's roadkill. Well, just to vindicate myself, let's read on. And have you ever tried to take food away from a wild animal? Have you ever noticed they don't just come and like, I'm supposed to feed you. And just dip, drop it in front of you. You know, you're like. Pfft. I'm like, was there a fight? Was there? I mean, it's just, and they'll feed you. Elijah did as the Lord told him and he camped by Kareth Brook, east of the Jordan. And the ravens brought him bread and meat. I feel vindicated. New versions they're writing, bread and roadkill. That's what's going in there. Or the one I'm working on, at least. <laughs> each morning and each evening. And he drank from the brook, but after a while, the brook dried up. Now, let's think about this for a second. How many of you stop and think and you hear this description? You're going to go by this ravine. You're going to drink from the water. You can bathe there in the water. You... Well, some of the guys are like, I don't know about that, you know. But you can go bathe from the water, or or and and wild animals are going to come to feed you. You got food, you got drink, you got provision. How many of you are like, hey, just hanging out with God, chilling, resting? How many of you are like, that's a good gig, right? I think that's right now with my year, it sounds like a really good gig to do, to me. I would take that word. Uh, and so all of a sudden, you know, he does it, but then after a while. The brook dries up. There's a drought coming. And all of a sudden, the wild animals stop bringing him roadkill. Stop bringing him food. This is a little bummer, you know? Hang on. This is a good deal. Now, here's the thing. We can stop and think, that's my relationship with God. Just me and Jesus, off alone, out from everybody. Nobody messing with my relationship with him, private and quiet and off this. But listen, what does God say to him? It says, then the Lord said to Elijah, go live in the village of Zarephath near the city of Sidon. Why? God wants us in the community. Your relationship with God is not just about you and Jesus off in the corner, you and Jesus in your quiet time, you and Jesus. That's not just your time with God. Your time with God is all day long. All day long. Why? How many of you have been like, Lord, I pray for our community that they would see Jesus? I pray. Why? Because God needs Elijah in the community because the community needs God. And that's what Elijah carries. The Lord needs you in the community because the community needs Jesus. And that's who you carry. That's who's inside of you. And you may be saying, Lord, change our city, transform it, bring salvation. Lord, when are you going to do that? When are you going to do that? And the Lord's like, when are you going to start putting Jesus on display? 
When are you going to start stepping? If that's really what your prayer is, that's really, then we need to put legs on that. We need to live in that. We need to step out in that because they're crying out for Jesus and they don't even know it. They don't even realize that's their desperation. So it's not enough to pull back and just pray and extend a prayer or pray from a distance. But we need to put Jesus Christ on display for the world to see so that they may know him. And he says, go live in the village of Zarephath near the city of Sidon. For I have instructed a widow there to feed you. Finally, a word that makes sense. Okay, seriously, let's think about this. I've instructed wild animals to bring you food. I've instructed a human being to feed you. Which one do you think makes more sense? I'm going with the human being, right? This makes it, of course, another human being is going to feed somebody else. Why? That's a part of being human. Of course, they're going to see animals giving up food. (laughs) Come on. But here, of course, this is going to happen. And so Elijah goes and does it. So it says he went to Zarephath. Why? Because God said. God said. And of course, if God said the, the ravens are going to feed him, and they did, of course, a widow there is going to feed him without reservation. That's just being human being. She doesn't have to have a word, but God says he spoke to a widow. Okay? So he's like, oh, that's even better. You know, that's, there's no guesswork. There's no wrestling the food from their mouth. This is just, this makes it sense, right? So this is going to be an easy, you know, thing to respond to. So he went to Zarephath, verse 10, and he arrived at the gates of the village and saw a widow gathering sticks. Now, how does he know it's a widow? We have no clue. Does she have like a monogram W on her head, you know, on her, on her, you know, on her cloak or some sort of special head wrap that says, I'm a widow. You know, I mean, we don't know how he knows, but he sees her and he's like, aha, a widow, some, for some reason, somehow. And so he's like, why, and why does he do that? Because God said a widow, right? And he steps over to her, he sees her gathering sticks, and he asks her, he says, would you please bring me a drink of water and a cup? And as she was going to get it, he called out and said, bring me a bite of bread too. Why? Because God said. He's acting on what the Lord has said. God said he instructed a widow. Here's a widow. It all makes sense, right? There's no question here. But she said, I swear by the Lord, your God. And you could add Elijah. I swear by the Lord, your God, Elijah. Now this shows how, how, what a deprived state this woman is in. She's saying, Elijah, he's not my God. He's your God. He'll provide for you. He'll do stuff for you, but he won't for me. He's your God. He's not mine. I swear by the Lord, your God, Elijah. This woman is in bad shape. And this text proves it. She is not in a healthy shape and healthy condition. She goes, I swear by the Lord, your God, Elijah. She goes, I have only... She goes, I, I, she goes, I don't even have a single piece of bread in the house. I have only a handful of flour left in a jar and a little cooking oil in the bottom of a jug. She says, I don't have enough. She said, I was just gathering a few sticks to cook this last meal. Then me and my son were going to eat it and crawl into a hole and die. It's a pretty good life plan, huh? I mean, this lady's in bad, bad, bad shape. 
This is bad shape. And it's really interesting because in this place of extreme desperation, this bad shape, what I love is I love how Elijah responds to her. I love, let me just tell you, just, you're going to see just this immense compassion well up in Elijah. And everybody who's ever had a heart to be a pastor or a home group leader, I want you to pay attention to the compassion, the tenderness, the love that Elijah demonstrates. Immediately, Elijah goes, oh my goodness. I must have asked the wrong widow. I'm sorry, God told me he told a widow to feed me. And obviously, if God told you to feed me and, 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 and you're saying you can't, then it obviously is not you. I, I've stumbled across the wrong widow. There's another widow here that, can, could you grab your Rolodex of widows <laughs> from the village of Zarephath? And, and, and could you bring it to me? Could I go through those and contact them to see which widow God spoke to? Because I've obviously stumbled across the wrong widow. Would you do that for me, please? Because, I mean, I can't imagine taking your last food. I mean, who would do that? What a horrible thing to do. I mean, don't you just feel Elijah's compassion in that? Is that how Elijah responds? No. Not at all. That would be normal. That's what somebody with compassion would respond with. Elijah looks at her and he says, yeah, hey, listen, that's a really good plan. You know, you cooking that meal for you and your son, your last meal. But here's what I want you to do. I want you to go bake that bread. And right as you're bringing those two, and the scripture says they're the size of like two little biscuits. Right as you're bringing those two little biscuits up to your gaunt, tight, starving cheeks. And right as you're salivating, about to take a bite and about to eat that, Bring it to me so I can eat it instead. (laughs) Just put your hands out. Receive that love (laughs) and compassion. (laughs) Can you imagine? Now, hearing that, what word about Elijah comes to mind? (laughs) Jerk! (laughs) You big jerk! Here's a starving widow and orphan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go ahead and do that. Bring it to me so I can eat it. I'll let you and your kid watch. What a big jerk. Now, I know you guys are way too spiritual to call Elijah a jerk. You know, so prophet jerk. He's a jerk. Bring that to me so I can eat it. You know what the biggest miracle of the story is? She does it. She actually does it. I, if this woman was from the city where I planted my church, you know what would happen? You know how she would respond? She would kill Elijah and eat Elijah. <laughs> she would have Elijah spinning on a spit in her backyard with a fire blazing going, he was a really good prophet. A really good prophet. He's going to go really good with those two little biscuits here in a minute. (laughs) She would kill Elijah and eat Elijah. But she actually does it. Why does Elijah tell her to go do that? Because God said. God said. 
Now, I don't think she did it with joy. I think she's over there. You call yourself a man of God. (laughs) See if the Lord shows you that prophet jerk. See what your prophetic skills reveal. And she comes and brings him the biscuits and he's sitting there and he's like, oh, oh, you're good at this. This, It would be tragic for you to crawl in that hole and die. I mean, people need to, oh my God. She and her son are like. (laughs) And he's eating these two little biscuits. Can you imagine? (laughs) This is crazy. Now, we would have stopped and said, oh, it must be the wrong widow. Let's go find the real widow. Let's go find the one that God says. Now, here's a question for you. Did the widow matter? In the sense that, did it matter which widow in town it was? You see, Elijah was going off the word of the Lord more than the word of the widow. It was an opportunity, and I'm going to show this to you here. And so he's eating these biscuits and he looks at her and he goes, now, that was so good. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Now, you go back and make you and your son some too. And I can imagine her going, I'm sorry. What do you not understand about that was it? You just ate the last of our groceries. You ate the last of everything we had. You took the bread from a widow and orphan. I hope you feel good about yourself. I told you there's no more flour. There's another handful of flour. But the oil, we poured out all the... There's more oil. There's more oil. There's more flour. This makes no sense. God did not tell him these particular parts. He didn't spell out how it would work, did he? He didn't spell out, these steps need to be this way, make sure she's got this and all that. None of that mattered. Elijah trusting what God said mattered. Not what the widow said, but what God said. And the Bible says every time that widow went back to that barrel, there was another handful. Every time she went back to that jar of oil, there was enough oil. Every time she goes back, it never runs out. Now, here's how we pray. Lord, if you'll fill up the barrel and you'll fill up the jar, I'll give it. And the Lord says, I can't multiply it until you give it. I can't do the miraculous work until you give it. So who was the provision for? Was it for Elijah or for the widow? The widow, I believe. It blessed Elijah, but that blessing could have been for any widow in town, I think. It could have been for any widow in town. Now, the word, the fact that if Elijah would have said, but God spoke to me and said that he told it, that, that, that telling that part to the widow didn't even matter. He doesn't even say, but I'm sorry, the Lord told me this, so you must be this. He doesn't even focus on that. He just follows what the Lord says. And trust the results. And here's what we're always saying. We're saying, Lord, if you'll fill up that barrel, I'll give it. If you'll fill up that jar, I'll give it. But if you don't, I don't have enough. 
I don't have enough faith to go pray for my neighbor who's dying of cancer. I don't have enough faith for paper cuts. I don't have enough faith to go over and, and, and give a word to somebody that hates me and tell them something that Jesus says. I don't have enough faith to, to share the gospel with people, you know, in a public forum, in a public way. I don't have enough. I don't have enough. But will you reach in the barrel? This applies to every part of life, my friends. This applies to your finances. God, I don't have enough to tithe. I don't have enough. Are you going to trust what the word of the Lord says or what your bank account says or the circumstances say? And I know we could stop and go, oh, wait, don't, don't, hold on. Is God's economic system sure and set for all eternity or is man's? Guys, we could stop and say, I don't have enough time. You don't understand. I can't go, sir. I can't go out with these guys and go pray for people. I'm working all the time. I don't, you know what? You want more time? Give time. I need more time than give time. Go work in children's ministry. You want to learn the word of God? You want to be able to teach and preach the word of God? Go serve in children's ministry. It is the best teacher. It will solidify you. It will increase in you. I promise you that. We never put anybody in our pulpit who didn't start in children's ministry. That was the testing ground for them. And it also would demonstrate to us that they were getting stuff rooted into them. Guys, let me tell you something. This applies to every part of life. You need deeper relationships? Sow that. Give that. Reach in the barrel. And we're saying, Lord, I don't have enough, but will you reach in the barrel? Will you reach in? You see somebody that's walking down the street that looks like they need healing? I, I, Lord, I've prayed for five people before. Nothing happened. Reach in the barrel. Don't wait and say, Lord, fill it up, then I'll give it. That is man's system. That is our natural that is our natural mind system. God's system is you reach in, you give what you got so I can multiply it. The multiplication couldn't take place until the woman gave what she had. Just the same as the boy with his lunch in Matthew and standing before the 5,000. The exact same story. Multiplication couldn't be done until they put it until he gave what he the little bit that he had, then it could be multiplied. Some of you need breakthrough. We're going to get to that here in just a little bit. But my friends, don't focus on your lack. Don't focus on what you don't have. Focus on what God wants to multiply. And it only takes a little bit. Father, I thank you for each person here. Because Lord, what I see in this room, if we would reach in that barrel and pray for those who need healing, if we'd reach in that barrel and give what we don't have, if we would reach in that barrel and give time, if we would just reach in and pour out, Father, there this people in this room alone would change nations, would change destinies of nations, would change continents. It only takes a few for you to multiply. And they're right in this room. Father, help us to stop seeing from our natural viewpoint and it having to make sense. But we just say, Lord, what have you say? That's what I serve. Father, I thank you that I see a church of courageous world changers that will rise up in their true identity 
and not just transform a community, but nations for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Bless you guys.